Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Got milk? You don't get it? Oh, that, okay. I get it. I had to think about it, though. I mean, I guess that kind of plays into the wh- this whole movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to run through the three-hour running time to be like, what is this referencing to? And then I got to it, and I was there like, okay. Got milk. Yeah, got milk. And there I was going to have some milk, but instead I have a McDonald's iced coffee, because these oh, are my yeah. newest addiction. This is my small talk. Uh, McDonald's iced coffee. <laughs> I don't even like coffee, and I've just like been drinking I- the McDonald's iced coffees, oh, yeah? okay. because they're only a dollar all summer <laughs> for the small. Thank you, spokesperson. Yeah, you're welcome. They're addictive. Yeah. How's it going, Mita? I mean, I'm just, I'm wired, because I've been having Yeah, you are... <laughs> We are also recording in the daytime. In the daytime. Yeah. It's 10.39 a.m. Yeah. I don't think anyone from my work listens to this, so I think I'm okay. I mean, I don't start until noon, so I'm okay. Yeah, so you're good. Yeah. But wow, what yeah. a life. I think it makes a difference. I think we'll notice the energy difference in how we record this. Let's hope. Who knows? Maybe I'll get the yawnies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I have two things to mention, Mita, in today's okay, portion of Small Talk. Wee oui, wee. Oui. We haven't talked about, like, the gossip of the world of late. Oh, there's so much. <laughs> there's so much goss, right? We yeah. haven't. <laughs> For the last two weeks, it's diverted to true crime, really. So this week, I want to bring it back to our roots. Okay. And there's two things. Yes. I'm going to start with thing one. Okay. Have you heard of these sightings of Army Hammer selling timeshares in the Caymans? <laughs> I, I haven't heard about selling timeshares. I've heard that he's working as a receptionist at a hotel in the Caymans. There's a few different rumors going okay. around. Yeah. Someone took a picture of him, actually. Oh. Apparently, it was a picture. It, and it looks pretty much like Army Which Hammer yeah. selling a timeshare at the Cayman Islands. Mm-hmm. And people are making fun of this. I actually don't think he needs to do that, though. I thought he has, like, they have family money. Like he... No, he clearly needs it if he's doing it. And or... there is another article I read that Robert Downey Jr. is financially supporting him. Robert Downey Jr.? Downey Jr., yeah. Why is Downey Jr. financially I don't supporting know. him? Okay, I think that one's a little off. Yeah, the rumors are, like, <laughs> off and they're, like, all over the place. But part of me, look, I think he, he screwed up for sure. Yeah. He said something really stupid in a private conversation that shouldn't been shouldn't have been Exposed. public. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's still trying to make a living. He still has kids. He still has responsibilities. Should we be making fun of someone just because, like, they were, a, like, a movie star at one point and now they're selling timeshares? Yeah. Like, I don't think it's actually – I don't think it's for financial reasons because I he does come from money and but they're well-off people. But why is he doing that? So before his scandal broke, he actually like was helping one of his buddies who's in construction and he was helping him like build houses and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think he maybe is like kind of lost and doesn't know what he wants to do and is just like doing different things to kind of see like what works and what fits for him. And I don't Mm -hmm. think it's fair to be like making fun of someone because they're just trying to to earn some money or they're trying to figure it out. Like maybe he's realized, okay, like I don't. I can't be in the public eye now, but also well, he's did lost I even, everything, right? Do I even like being in the public eye? Yeah. And so, like, good for him for trying to figure out things and like actually doing something because I do think he's 
uh, financially like successful enough that he wouldn't even have to do anything. Like I do think there is family money there. So I remember once I was talking, we have a financial advisor and we were talking about like our financial planning and everything. And he mentioned how we were talking about like, we were like very insecure about like, like our planning. And he's like, you guys are like light years ahead of like many of my clients. Mm -hmm. And he's like, doctors are actually the worst. Because they, even though they make a lot of money, they they spend, it. they spend it and they have poor planning. And then they have, because they're not making regular, in, they're making a very different kind of contractual income. Yeah. And so they don't plan. So a lot of these people who make that kind of money, I think someone like Army Hammer probably is, does, is not like sitting on it. You know, like it's not like saved. There's no like RESPs and like stocks and like planning. Oh, there's you don't a... think there's any investments? I don't think so. I think I there think is because people... his wife is very but business they're savvy. But they're They're are they divorced yet? Are they officially divorced? But they're I don't know. either way they're one A or B, right? Yeah, but I I do think like at least if they've been together, they were together for a long time. A while. Yeah. She's very business savvy. She owns businesses. Like that's mm-hmm. what she studied in school. I think she would also be like, hey, we have to like actually nest this and like have it grow into something yeah i do think there is financial responsibility there i think he's just literally trying to figure out what do i do right now like what am i going to be doing with my life if this is even true and that's the question it's (laughs) a big thing but it is kind of believable that like this man had a giant fall from grace and then like obviously he still needs to make a living like he got pulled from every movie he was going to be in and somehow kevin spacey is still getting movies so like i don't know how like what that says about the world if yeah. that man is getting work but this guy isn't for saying something questionable but really not doing anything wrong necessarily mm-hmm. i don't know interesting well it does remind me a couple of years ago do you did you ever watch the cosby show yeah like back in the day yeah so alvin who was sandra's husband yes 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 he's working at target he worked at uh i thought it was whole foods oh whole foods it was whole something foods it was trader the, joe's something like was, that yeah trader joe's i think actually yeah And somebody like saw him and took a picture and pointed it out on the internet. And he went, he was like, yeah, like I'm not in acting anymore. Like, this is what I do. I like what I do. Like, who are you to make fun of me? And it's the same thing. Like, if that's what somebody's doing, who are you to judge them for their profession? Just because at one point they were in an extremely public profession and Mm -hmm. yes, making a lot of money doing it doesn't mean that there's any, anything less noble about, you know, packing groceries or cashiering or whatever it is and look i don't know what the money in timeshares is maybe there yeah, is man. a lot maybe it's going good on and there. someone as good looking as army hammer probably can sell I a would couple buy a time <laughs> yeah, share exactly, from yeah. you. if i didn't know you i would buy a timeshare and uh, he's not as big as a celebrity that some old people don't know who this guy is for exactly. sure there you go but that leads me to think too oh which is actually the more interesting thing and kind mm-hmm. of blends nicely into our movie of this week did you hear about beanie feinstein Oh, have I heard about Beanie Feinstein? <laughs> I am all over that TikTok. Uh, so for those of our listeners who don't know, Beanie Feinstein was appearing in Feinstein the revival. Feinstein or Fieldstein? Is it Fieldstein or Feinstein? Beanie, we'll call her. Beanie, Beanie Hill. Hill. Let's call her Beanie, Beanie Hill. Beanie Hill. She was appearing in the revival of Funny Girl on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden this week, she announced, it was announced that she was going to be leaving early, much earlier than it was projected. And then mm-hmm. she announced on Instagram she's, that she was leaving even before what was announced by the show. Yeah. And then Leah Michelle took over. Do you know like all the drama with Leah Michelle to start with though? Yes, because this okay. is like her dream role. And yes. when Beanie, Beanie was essentially announced as this, everyone was just like, what about Leah Michelle? And well, how is what? Go on. Okay. Well, it's two things. So It's two things. First, it's Beanie Feldstein. It is Feldstein. Okay. Yes. Second, 
Funny Girl has never been revived since the original stage production. So it's a big deal that this was happening. And if you watched Glee, you know that Leah Michelle just wants to be Fanny Bryce. She Mm -hmm. wants to be Fanny Bryce and Funny Girl. Like, they made it possible on Glee, the TV show. Like, that was a plot line that, like, the... The thing with Leah Michelle, especially in the last few years, is people know her to be a terrible person to work with. And so when they announced they're bringing back Funny Girl, tons of people were like, oh, Leah Michelle. But a lot of people were like, no, not Leah yeah. Michelle. Like, she's she's terrible to be around. Yeah. And so it was not hilarious, but it was kind of shocking to see that Beanie Feldstein was going to get to play this like iconic role and bring it back to stage. And the internet went wild back then about how jealous Leah Michelle would have been. And so then, was, probably. And was, yes. yeah. And so then when it was announced that she was leaving, the internet again was just like, oh shit, is Leah Michelle going to be Fanny Bryce? Like, is she finally going to get what she wants? The thing that I find the most hilarious about this is that Jane Lynch, who was a co-star with Leah Michelle mm-hmm. on Glee, was also in the Broadway production with Beanie. Mm-hmm. And she is now leaving as well yeah. since it was announced that Leah is joining. Yeah. And she's claiming it's not because of Leah and she wishes Leah all the best luck. But you guys. Yeah, that's, Yeah. <laughs> That's it's not it. Because of Leah Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Who has a history of being just a giant bitch, apparently. Do you, have you ever also heard the rumors that she's illiterate? No. Oh, there's like this whole conspiracy theory on TikTok that Leah I Michelle mean, is illiterate. <laughs> I and don't like, know if I believe that necessarily. But people seem to think that like she just, she is Rachel Berry. And if you've ever, have you watched her Glee audition? No. Okay. Her Glee audition is on YouTube. Yeah. And she is Rachel Berry. Like they, Ryan Murphy yeah. molded that for her specifically. And so the joke on the internet is that like she just would say things like they didn't even give her a script because she doesn't know. How she doesn't. <laughs> Which is like mean if it's true, yeah. but funny, funny if, if it's, it's not. not. <laughs> yeah. Funny if it's not because she's not a very nice person on set. No. Yeah. She's known to, she's notorious for being a diva. So before we get to, Zigfield. Yeah. Why do we think Beanie was oust? Um, I think it's a combination of a few things. One, mm-hmm. she does not have the strongest singing voice. Yeah. And I think people want that powerhouse because we know it as Barbara. Like, we yeah. know Barbara as Fanny. And so, like, that's what people want when they they see Funny Girl. And I think it was known, it's known from the beginning she wasn't going to have that powerhouse voice to be able to, like, successfully do this cast. This is, I think is a she, Broadway it, musical. The character itself, though, is more jovial. They wanted an actual yeah. Jewish woman to play the role. Leah Michelle's oh, yeah. not Jewish. No. And, like, they, I think there's a lot about Beanie that does actually speak to, like, Fanny Bryce herself mm-hmm. um, and kind of, like, what she represented. And then there's a lot of people who say, like, there's a lot of backslash with Beanie because she's plus-size woman. Yeah. And that she's queer as well. And so there's a lot of people who are like... You think that's the reason? They're disappointed with that. Like we had representation in Broadway, which doesn't happen all the time, which I don't know if that's necessarily true. Yeah. Well, I think the big argument was that like aside from this, the only example you can really give is Hairspray. Yeah, exactly. And so there's a lot of backslash with like fans of Beanie Mm -hmm. who were like, you know, we knew the voice wasn't going to be it. But but, like, what about her performance? Have you heard the reviews? No, I haven't. They're not They're bad. They're bad. It's not that she's not a good actress. She's a good actress, but, like, she can't... This is not for her. I don't like, think she, she has the star power to, like, yeah, be able to take on a role like that. anchor a show that. like that. Yeah. yeah. And it's a female-centered, iconic role. You yeah. kind of need someone with a little bit more presence. And for better or for worse, I guess that is Leah Michelle. Leah does have 
those she's aspects. She's gonna sing she, the shit out of that song, though. She and- only has it now because of Glee. Like, if Leah and Michelle had never been on Glee, I don't think we would have thought Leah and Michelle could yeah. be Fanny Bryce. Spring Awakening aside, like, I don't think she would be where she is without Glee. So thank you, Ryan Murphy. This drama has been very fascinating to watch. Yeah, it's quite interesting. But speaking of Fanny Bryce. Yeah. Fanny Bryce made an interesting appearance in this week's Best Picture winner, (laughs) The Great Siegfeld. 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 From 1936? Wee, wee. Wee, wee. (laughs) Okay, Meets, give us the discro. The discro for The Great Siegfeld. The ups and downs of Florin Siegfeld Jr., famed producer of extravagant stage reviews, are portrayed. That's it. That's literally it. (laughs) This was a three-hour movie. (laughs) That, in my personal life, appeared at the worst time. This is a three-hour movie that felt like a six-hour movie. (laughs) I'll say that. So give me your thoughts then, I guess, if that's where we're starting. Okay, yeah, I'll start. This is a three-hour movie yeah. <laughs> that is so long. And here's the thing. I I am very – I had my – I had very high hopes for this after I had read what the description yeah. was. I was like, oh, it's like musical productions. It's yeah. musical. I love a musical. It's like maybe like the birth of Broadway. Exactly. In, in so, a way, yeah. Which is so exciting to me. Yeah. And this movie starts off very well. Like, Mm -hmm. I will say the beginnings of Florence are really interesting to watch, to kind of see him, like, maneuver through being, like, a a circus act. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, the strongman competitions and Mm -hmm. things like that. I was like, oh, this is, like, kind of interesting. And then this movie gets to a point where he's making these big productions and there's musicals. The movie spends 30 minutes on just song after song did you do the math yeah it's actually 30 minutes <laughs> it's like 30 minutes it long felt like more <laughs> it could be more i yeah. may have given up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of song after song after song that has no like it has nothing to do with the film itself yeah it's just straight song after song it's not driving the plot in any way whatsoever it's not even song after song sometimes it's just dances it's just dancing which those productions in themselves are really interesting to watch. Like, they're beautiful. They're well done. They're well choreographed. Yeah. They're very nice. But it's song after... Like, it's... it's. If you've ever made... I've made fun. But if you've ever made fun of a Bollywood film for having, like, songs for no yeah. reason... I forgive <laughs> Bollywood movies. Yeah. I am so sorry that I've made those yeah. those jokes in the years past. Because this literally just has musical numbers for like yeah. no significant reasons whatsoever. Yeah. And that's when I feel like the movie really just like plummets. And I lost complete total interest in what was happening. And that's when it's t- three hours felt like 10 hours. I'm just going to keep going higher each time I talk about yeah. it. Like by the end of this podcast, it, it'll feel like 18 hours long. <laughs> yeah, I also feel like I totally agree with that. It just felt really, it was really, really long. And it did start off promisingly. I was just like, this could actually be an interesting film. Mm-hmm. But even in the beginning, I was just like, okay, this is a three hour movie. But why? Like, yeah. what are we get? Like, you need to kind of, movies need to have a goal. Like, they mm-hmm. need to be goal oriented. There needs to be a story. There needs to be like a focus. And I was just like, are we just walking, literally walking through this man's life? And like the ups and downs of what he faced, which I guess I've seen movies like The Aviator that are kind of like that. But mm-hmm. like that was more interesting. 
and like you have a a lot more character study in that. Yes. Like in this, it's just like, oh, all of a sudden he has successful plays. Like, well, how yes. did he get to that? But like what? It was really like, well, now he's poor and now he's rich. rich. And now he's poor and now he's rich. And it yeah. literally just went back and forth. And I was like, how is this man going from broke to millionaire in a few frames? Like even something like There Will Be Blood does yes. that so much better. And I didn't even like There Will Be Blood. <laughs> That was too much movie for me, though. But I I was just confused as to, like, what we were doing. Because if you're going to have a three-hour movie, you should be able to see from the beginning it's going to be three hours. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you should be watching Titanic and be like, okay. James got something runtime. going on here. Yeah. Like, we're <laughs> yeah. going we're, we're to have this love story. Clearly, the ship is going to sink. I'm in here for a long haul. Like, you mm-hmm. can conceptually feel it, whether you know the runtime or not. And this, I was just like... I don't know if I if I didn't know the runtime, if I could predict the runtime. And that's because the movie's very aimless. Hmm. Like it doesn't really it doesn't really go anywhere. But there are some interesting things. The there are some interesting relationships that's de- that develop along the way. But then that whole there's a whole middle section that is just production number after production number after production number. And I was like, okay, listen, I think. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I you think what Chicago. Sh- <laughs> I think what Chicago does really well is that it combines that production number by moving the story forward. Mm-hmm. Those songs and that production is not like they're not standalone pieces. You're literally taking the plot from here to here using yeah. this giant production to do that. Exactly. But in this movie, you are like I was I was like why am I why am I watching this right now? What is the point of this? What is the point of this? How does this Spe- help me understand Florence Ziegfeld Jr.? And don't get me wrong, some of these dances, some of those, like, especially I think the first major one you see with the, like, revolving staircase and it's like a single shot, it's yeah. really interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. And then literally the next scene where they're at that nightclub and they, like, all the balloons pull off from the wall. Like, there's some interesting stuff and, like, really well-planned out out stuff and really, it's visually very interesting. But while I was watching it, I was just like, but what am I learning from this? Exactly. And he's the producer of this, right? So it's not like he's the stage choreographer. It's not like he's built these sets. It's not like he's a costumer. It's not, like, he's not, we also don't see, like, how involved he is with these productions, so to speak. So, like, why are you showing me this, like, (laughs) 40-minute? Yeah montage of all these different productions if it doesn't actually help me understand this person and the one place i would say that it is done well is when they introduce fanny bryce because that's when you're meant to understand that like okay he's going after the talent rather than the look this is what she's capable of this is how she attracts her audience so that musical number whether the lyrics represent a moving story at least that sequence is you understand why it's there and that's Mm -hmm. why i wasn't bored during that sequence because there was a point to it there's another sequence later on where they're dancing from beds or there is or like there's just a bunch of these things where I'm just like, why are we watching this? Mm-hmm. And fine, it's pretty to look at, but it has to be more than that. I think, though, and you have to think about when this came out. Yes. In the middle exactly. of the Great Depression. Yes. Like that is probably what audience wants. Absolutely. Wanted at that time. Like yeah. they want to be taken away and carried it carried away with these types of productions and kind of be amazed and entertained, especially because, like, they weren't going to, like, the theater theater. Like, they they could only watch this on film. And so I think 
like it's a nice sentiment looking now in 2022 of like, okay, I can see how this like yeah. probably was relevant back then and why people would assume this to be one of the best pictures of that year. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it doesn't stand standing the test, the test, of, test time. of time. Yeah. yeah. It just does not land at all. It was very disappointing because I had so much, so many high hopes. I love Broadway. I love musicals. Mm-hmm. I love the drama mm-hmm. <laughs> of it all. And there is really none of that in this. Like, even in his story itself, you, I don't really care to see his demise. Like, I don't care to see what happens with this person whatsoever. There's no emotional connection there. I think that's what I'm learning a lot from movies of the past is, like, they really, writers of that time really had to work hard to sort of get to this point of where we do. Like, if I... I didn't like There Will Be Blood, but I understand that character. And I think Mm -hmm. that he's a very compelling person. And I think it's a really interesting story to tell. Florence Ziegfeld Jr. in this, I'm sure in real life, is a really interesting person. But not in this. And could have probably been a more interesting person. Like, imagine this movie is a cross between, like, There Will Be Blood and The Aviator kind of thing. Well, then I even think of something like Scissor and Kane. Like, he wasn't that interesting either. Citizen Kane is interesting. Like him as a person, like were you really like he's got he has an interesting life. Kane? Kane. Kane. <laughs> Mr. Kane. Kane? Does. I think Kane does. But Citizen Kane is another movie where you're following along this person and their ups and downs. it does a better job than this for sure. Mm-hmm. Um and it's only like six years later. Yeah. But it's not as compelling as like movies of the future. So I think like this is a good point to be inspired. By like, okay, how do we tell the story of a person? But I would not want to recreate this. Like, even watching this, I was like, what would this look like today? And I was like, I wouldn't want to watch that. I, I Not in its current form, if I'm no. being honest. But I think telling the story of Zigfield is, yeah. is interesting. Like, I think someone rewriting that and, and telling that story could actually be really interesting in how he came up with these productions. I think the how is also really interesting. I do think, though, that like you mentioned, the issue is that this came out in the Depression. You have to keep in mind that people who are watching this don't have access to theater. They don't have access to Broadway, most likely. This is the only type of stage performance they're ever going to see. So this is it. And so if if you're sitting in an audience and this is the first time you've ever seen this, it's pretty amazing. It has that sense of wonder that we talk about, that sense of like seeing something for the first time. I can totally see how people could be enamored by it because it really is. And the scale is quite impressive as well. But watching it now, I can see it's not like this is comparatively the excitement from this that I experienced from something like a Bollywood film or something like Chicago. It's just not there because those things are accompanied by story as well. Mm hmm. Um, I just looked up what the tagline for this movie is. And? Ten big shows in one. Oh, see, there you go. Like, that's the... <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that was the goal then, right? Yeah. Maybe the Who goal was... Who had three hours to just sit there, though, back then? In the Depression, a lot of people, probably. I guess. But no, like, go out and, like, try to... I don't know. Try to get a job, meet that? <laughs> is that what you're going to say? No, but I mean, like... I get... I, well, I don't know what it was like back then. Yes. But... I just wow three hours like, but we watched. I know you hate a Marvel hours, movie. I, what? Yeah, we've watched three hour movies, and you watch Marvel movies that are consistently that are that three long. Hour. No, but yeah. even I, I am one of the people that think that Endgame is way too long. Like it, that mm. should have been edited a lot better. But even in, in a Marvel movie, though, like I have something to watch. <laughs> like I, I think some people. I think in the 30s, though, you had something to watch. 
it was just exciting for that this time. Is, this is for the time. This is pretty exciting if you think about it. It's 10 <laughs> shows in one. I guess that, but I guess that was the idea. I guess that's the whole point is that it was meant to be mm-hmm. these performances and you were meant to watch performance after performance of what this man kind of did. And maybe the story was supposed to fall to the wayside. Do we think like three hours makes sense though? Because I'm just reading like trivia right now too. And it goes, Myrna Loy, who received second billing for this film, does not actually appear on screen until two hours and 15 minutes into the movie. Yeah, that's That's late. too many. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's too many minutes into <laughs> too it. Too many yeah. minutes into the movie. Do we actually see the second build person from this film? Which is kind of And crazy. like, I'm trying to think of all the stuff that happens before, like Billy Burke makes her ex- appearance. It's the more compelling parts of the story, but like... That's your second build. Like, shouldn't you try to integrate that somehow in the beginning of the film? Well, why wasn't what's her face Anna held whoever... second build? Yeah, because she's the the first wife. Yeah, because she's yeah. the first wife. She also ended up winning an Academy Award for Best Actress. She looks a little bit like Meryl Streep. Yeah. Also, why did she win an Academy Award for Best Actress? I, you know, that milk. <laughs> Was it the milk? Tw- Twenty Was it gallons that one of milk. Scene? Yeah. Louise Rayner. Louise Raynell. I don't know. I'm I'm making her French now. <laughs> I don't understand. Like I what? don't understand the the. And I tried looking at like what else won that year or who else was at least nominated, yeah. but I can't really make the comparison. Yeah. But in her category, she was up against Carol Lombard. Oh, who is actually was the wife of William Powell. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. She was up against Carol Lombard. She was up against Irene Dunes for Theodora Goes Wild. Gladys George for Valiant is the word for Carrie, and Norma Shearer for Romeo and Juliet. I've never seen that version of Romeo and Juliet. No. Have you? I have, actually. It's a little boring. All of the Romeos. I think Romeo and Juliet in general is a boring story. I'm, I like Baz Luhrmann. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> that appeals to me. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, no. and it's directed by George Cukor. I the didn't Romeo know and Juliet. Yeah. Maybe I should watch this. Hmm. Or no? Instead of Ziegfeld? Yeah. Or whatever is next week. Whatever is next week. No, I, I think the other thing that... There was two other things that came up. I think the Bollywood thing really struck a chord while mm-hmm. I was watching this. Because I was just like, what? People who complain about like... Bollywood musicals. Bollywood musicals. I was just like, what this. the hell is this? This one, yeah. Best Picture. And the, there's there's nothing here. And it really... <laughs> At least I when know, they're dancing in the mountains, I know that they're falling in love. That there's like, a point to the it. Point of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it really is. And like, I know we shouldn't always go to this. There's definitely some racism associated with that. Nadim, there's literally blackface in this (laughs) movie. There is blackface in this movie. And that was the other thing I wanted to talk about. But before we get to the blackface, I did want to talk about how like, when Bollywood movies do it, you make such a big fuss about it. You make such Mm -hmm. a big deal about the fact that these songs come in and they, you know, ruin the pacing and blah, blah, blah. But you are literally rewarding movies from the 30s for doing this. Why is that okay? And why do people forget that? And I think there's definitely some like racism associated with that. And I don't want to constantly come back to that. But yo, man, I like actually I'm a little personally offended, actually. Well, I think you have to like actually like go out and ask people their opinion on this. Because I, for one, am one of those people that have always kind of made fun of Bollywood movies for having these random moments. But I'm also recognizing it in this white film. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Why is that there? So I think we'll have to do a poll and we'll have to get some data and we can take a look at it and analyze it. Like, is there really like a racist undertone there? 
But I like how far back does Bollywood go? Because I don't even know the history. First major movie came out in 31. Okay. And like, do we feel like, have you watched movies from that time? Like, do they still have those musical numbers? Yeah. Because when, when I think of Bollywood, I mainly think of like, 90s and early 2000s where that was really relevant and like in today's movies i don't see it as much or at least i haven't been like i haven't been seeing those long-winded swiss alp scenes but i've seen stuff from like the 50s i think maybe even the 40s is as far back as i've gone and it was there yeah man there were musical numbers and those music that music is beautiful it's classic stuff that you've probably heard even if you don't like recognize it but and th- those musical numbers were there. People of that time probably appreciated it, though. But people of this it's time you also and appreciated I who... it. That's the difference, Samita. Like I, the th- and what you're saying though is that you make fun of the the, the dancing in the Swiss Alps, but you also have. It's kind of like you can make fun of your family, but other people don't get to make fun of your Can't family. Can't make fun of my family. That's yeah. what it is, and that's the exact same thing. I can make fun of the Swiss Alps, but I also love the Swiss Alps. Oh, it's totally sentimental. But I would understand someone who's never seen a Bollywood movie before watching that and being like, what is this? And then I can totally understand someone watching something like this and being like, why is there like 40 minutes of just musical numbers that have nothing to do with the storyline? I think, and I can see that happening too. I think what I'm more referring to is critic, the overall critical like perception of it. Mm. Like when you read critics' reviews, like non. Indian critics reviews or Western reviews of Bollywood movies are like Devdas, for instance, and yeah. how like operatic it is and how like over the top and melodramatic. But meanwhile, this movie, and fine, there was like 70 years between like Devdas and the great Ziegfeld, let's say. But at, why is it that just because you've changed your storytelling process and that this isn't relevant, that it Those shouldn't movies be relevant? Aren't included. Exactly. And it shouldn't yeah. be relevant to people now. Like just because you're not good with it, it should be relevant to everybody else. Like that, that Devda style of storytelling, yeah. And when you watch Devdas now, as an as a Bollywood viewer, it is over the top, and it's a lot, and all of that. So, is your point of contention that like there are relevant international films today, not just Bollywood, uh-huh. that should be contenders for Academy Awards, but they don't get the recognition that they should? I think overall, not oh. even necessarily for the Academy Awards, but overall, I think we use North America as a standard for film, and I think that's wrong. That's you and I who live in North America, but mm. I don't know what it's like if I'm a, someone who lives in Europe or if I'm someone who lives in Asia. But if you talk about, even from like uh, distribution standpoints, mm-hmm. do you think Asian films, re- regular Asian films, let's even just talk about Indian films, are they, which is arguably a larger audience than American films, are they getting the same releases abroad worldwide the same way a Marvel movie is? If mm. I go to box office India right now and, I t- and they, there's like, there's a big movie coming out on Friday, Shamshera, with Ranbir, Ranbir Kapoor. If they're talking about like advanced ticket sales and all of that, they're also talking about Thor and how Thor is making money and how Thor had a big release and how Thor had mm. like a great opening weekend, right? It's not the same. North American films have a larger distribution and a, lar- a larger importance, maybe because the Academy Awards are kind of like the, the pinnacle of film success. We kind of gauge everything from that point. Well, we know where that stems from. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that, like, I mean, you and I cannot change that in this podcast no. <laughs> from our Maybe house we can. in Ottawa. And if we can, we should. Nazim's uh, in his basement right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm literally in my basement. I don't think I can change anything. But I think, like, the more we watch these films, and I realize that, like, this is an education for me in many ways in terms of I didn't realize these kind of movies were made. Do you know what I mean? I thought, yeah, movies, like, I didn't yeah. realize they were 
relevant at that time. Like people were time. enjoying things like this. Yeah, and that they were critically acclaimed, successful films that won Best Picture for the greatest film awards in the world. Well, but the other thing, though, is like, I don't think this movie has standed the test of time, because if I said I'm watching The Great Ziegfeld, I don't think people know what that is. Yes, and that's fair. That, and but like when you know in a few more episodes when i say i'm watching gone with the wind that's something that stood the test of time well we'll see then i don't we'll see then we'll yeah. see then but it's something that has had a lasting impression on pop culture yeah yeah which brings me to the next point let's talk about the block phase oh gosh do we have to yeah we do <laughs> it was I huge just, i was really like huge. oh that's blackface. <laughs> i was like oh wow okay oh, yeah. That's like this blackface and it's like worst I form. I felt really guilty. I was <laughs> really <laughs> sitting there like, I'm participating. Like, I think if I saw that today, like if I saw that in a movie today, I'd walk out of the theater or I would turn the TV off. Like, I wouldn't want to watch that. And I wouldn't agree with something unless you're depicting it and you're telling me like, this is so outrageously racist, mm-hmm. like the joke on 30 Rock, then okay, yeah, I will continue to watch. But in this... In this format, it does not understand the consequences of what it's doing. No, but also I think the thing you have to keep in mind is, and it's really important, at the time in 1936, this was what it was, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. But then we have to make, like, today in 2022, us as an audience, like, I'm going to watch this because it's part of our podcast and it's yeah. our homework, but we have to make a like a conscious effort of like, do I want to partake in something like that? Would but I are watch you partaking something? in it? And that's the thing is that like, I think this notion I that paid two, three dollars to watch this. No, like but, I, par- but are you like, why are we trying to, why are we trying to remove things from history that have been formed or present? I don't want to remove it from history. It's there. I'm not saying let's burn all the copies of the Great Segfield. I'm just saying me as a woman in 2022 who understands the way the world works a little bit now yeah, wouldn't now. want to watch something where blackface is so prominent. And I I get to make that decision. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's your choice to do that. But just I like think... I don't want to watch Woody Allen movies unless Nadine forces me to watch a Woody Allen movie. Or we pick a season in which we have to watch at least one Woody Allen film. Yeah. But I see I think I just have a different stance on it. I think that like you acknowledge it, it's there. You recognize mm-hmm. that it's not it's not appropriate, it's not all that. But you also have to remember in nineteen thirty six this was the culture, this was the world you lived in. And they were they didn't have the education, they didn't have the knowledge. The black people didn't have the freedom. This was what it was. We are also, interestingly enough, I'm not sure if you've read into anything about our next week's film no. of Emile Zola. Yeah, which is there based is on a true guy. True too, story. Right? Yep. Yeah. And it, there are some notions about uh, anti-Semitism and the Nazi regime. And the, I think they were forced to remove the reference of the word, literally the word Jew at one point. Oh, this is the history, right? This is yeah. this is this is history that you're watching happen. So even like fine, this isn't on anybody's radar, the great Zeke field. But imagine someone came in and said, I think that scene should be removed. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say remove it. It is mm-hmm. part of the history and that's what was going on at that time. I do think they understood what they were doing though. I don't I think people knew that like I think people had hatred then like i think it is racism i think maybe they wouldn't admit to it but i do think that it was that they did not like people of color like i, I think don't know if even necessarily dislike as much as it is or they just 
thought that there was a race, so like there was a class difference based purely on race. Yeah, like I think that that's yeah. what their mindset was. But I also think then you like I don't think that people back then were so daft that they wouldn't think about what that actually means. Like I think I think it, they might have been though. I don't love that. <laughs> But I think that's what it is, <laughs> but right? That's what like, it is. Yeah, and I'm not saying like remove the scene from the movie. I just felt really like terrible watching. It made it. me like, feel oh, uncomfortable. God. I was just like, yeah. oh, there's blackface, and like to see it in the form that it was, it was really like, wow, this is really mean spirited. Yeah, it's not nice. Have you seen that episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians? No. Kim is in Europe, and somebody she sees somebody like actually wearing blackface, and she's just so taken aback and like shocked by it, and yeah. like. That's how kind of I felt like Kim Kardashian. <laughs> I was just like, oh, whoa, like this. Because I've never, I haven't seen anything where it's yeah. been like prominent and not made out to be like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Everything I've watched since then is just, it's showing you like this is what racism is and like, yeah. or it's making a joke about it of like how racist somebody was. So should we have removed that episode of 30 Rock? No, because it's, it's a part of a joke. And I think we shouldn't be censoring jokes. Some jokes, yeah. Isn't that risky, Mitha? Isn't that a risky? Yeah, like, isn't that a. I think I get it in that point, though. Like, I understand the humor. I think that's up to a viewer. If you don't understand it, then don't watch it. But isn't the risk that you're not going to understand it and you're still going to watch it and you're going to misinterpret it? I don't under. Like, for me personally, watching that, seeing Jenna in that, there's no. Hilarious. It's it's funny and, like, I don't know how someone could not maybe understand like that it is meant to be funny. Especially because, not that I want to defend 30 Rock on this podcast, but especially because they tried to stop her. They're acknowledging that like, oh, yeah. you can't Jenna, do this. You can't do yeah, this. You can't yeah. do this. Yeah. This is not okay. Take that off. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not going to defend. I just thought that was interesting. I was <laughs> not prepared for Tina. that. I know of, you love her. <laughs> of all the things in this movie, the blackface, I was not prepared for. I wasn't prepared either. I was yeah. like, oh, whoa. <laughs> yeah. It took me out for a minute. But it's there. So if you want to watch Blackface, please don't. And I don't want to do it. But it was also, I will say, I think what was educational about that scene was also the makeup itself. It wasn't Mm. just like when Jenna does it in 30 Rock, she does like the whole face and there's a there's there's a difference. This is like and I I hate to use the term, but the intent is like clown makeup. Yeah. That's it's like just kind of the face and like it's, exaggerated lips and like yeah. there's there's an aesthetic like they are to trying it. to make fun of people and like there is an was, intent there yes. to make fun of people and that's why it's so blatantly racist exactly and I think that was the more surprising thing I think if someone wearing Jenna esque blackface had shown up I don't think I would have been taken as far back as I was I was more clutch pearls with this. It was it's like, also very oh. shocking because it's in black and white. So it's just so, <laughs> yeah. it's so evident. The it's contrast, just like, oh, yeah. wow. Like, yeah. you, you're really doing this. Whereas I wonder what the sentiment would have been like in 1936, seeing that in a theater. Probably comical. I think that was the intent. Hmm. Well, I'm glad that we've evolved because that's not funny. Yeah. It wasn't funny. Yeah. And it made me uncomfortable. I'll say that. There you go. Any sequel prequel ideas? I want to know more about Anna Held. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't actually give me your opinion on her performance because it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. She's really. But French. I kind of, kind of get that for this time. I get it. Yeah, I get, I get it for the time. I get this for this movie for this time yeah. for what we're seeing. It's similar to like in Grand Hotel, Greta Garbo is Greta like Garbo. it's oh, a yeah. lot. 
it's there, you know, and it's the it's what Anne Hathaway could do today if she wanted to. When Anne wants to, she can do a lot. But I feel like if Anne did this performance, it would be a parody of it. I don't think you there's a world where this as a sincere performance would ever make it. It's really over the top. Yeah. It's really actually, like super French and like the like fainting yeah. and the the hair and the she's so drama, man. It's a lot. So drama. I kind of loved it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's like one of the this movie isn't in, entirely entertaining. And so I do think that like no. her bad acting or her over the topness yeah. is what actually kind of is entertaining to watch. And then I always just find it really nice to see Frank Morgan because I always think of The Wizard of Oz when I see him. Oh, yeah. That's true. (laughs) Just always nice there. But for sequel, prequel ideas, I actually would like to see a remake of this. Yeah. But with better music, musical numbers. I think Rob Marshall Um, should do it. That could actually... I don't think... I think Rob is a one and done. No. I think he could do something on this scale again. Do you, though? This is very Chicago-esque. And that's when he shines. It's not Memoirs of a Geisha. Or Into the Woods. Or Into the Woods. Or Nine. Yeah. Rob is done, Nadine. Yeah, maybe Rob is done. Then Rob who does done. it? I I think we need new... Maybe, like, Damien? Is it... I was just going to say... I was actually... Mita just going to be like, it can't be Damien Chazelle. It just can't be. Why not? Because it can't always be him just because it's a musical. But he does it so well. He, I know. Even I like, Whiplash is not a musical, but the no. musical elements Sequences. of Whiplash yeah. is just, it's its really well done. Somebody young, I think, should probably be doing this. I and somebody, actually, like, we don't know. No, I actually think someone like, as cliche as it sounds, I would be interested to see Robert Martin Scorsese's version of this. Oh, interesting. Martin doing a musical. Martin doing a musical. And what about, about Steven? I don't, I think Steven would whitewash this too much because I think there's more grit and more sex and more like, I think there's a little bit more darkness that we weren't able to see. But what if Steven did this and it was blind casting? Uh, I don't, I'm not on board with blind casting necessarily. It feels like we're trying too hard. I don't, but sh- okay, Shonda Rhimes bl- black, black casting, blind casting. <laughs> <laughs> is it's a trying lot. too hard yeah. <laughs> it's trying too hard but i think like and sometimes even like with lynn manuel it's a lot like it's trying yeah it's, it's trying, trying too really hard. trying there i'm sorry i think hamilton gets away with it it's the yeah. one thing but that's also because the musical is the music itself is not like period appropriate the whole thing is this melange yeah but shonda rhymes and her bridgerton it's too much it's something i don't know scorsese could be interesting you know who I would actually think w- would be really interesting to see do a musical? Soderbergh. Yeah. Music plays such a big part in a lot of his movies, too. Let's go into our ratings and tell me, in the, because we're running out of time, I want you to tell me in your rating whether it deserves Best Picture. Okay. Um, so I'll start with whether it deserves sure. Best Picture. In my opinion, no. Okay. Um, and that's also me watching it in 2022. I can understand at the time, like, how entertaining this would be. But I also think, like, in that time, I would also want to look for elements of, like, is this going to stand the test of time? And what about this was entertaining to me? And, like, there, the story isn't entertaining, you know, 
there's no real drama. It's the ups and downs, but we really only just kind of get downs and it's really lackluster. Like even the ending mm-hmm. of this is just kind of a disappointment. Like there's yeah. nothing really um, exciting about what's going on there. And when I look at what else was nominated that year, while I don't know any of them, I can imagine some of them maybe had more of a lasting impression. So I'm going to say no for best picture. Okay. And that kind of falls into my review mm-hmm. of just not not being able to like get into this movie one bit and it starts off fairly strong like i'm interested in what's going on here Mm -hmm. but there is no effort made for me to like connect with these characters to want to see what's happening to them and then when you have this huge middle section of your movie is just musical numbers and not even songs just dance yeah dance and scenery It reminded me of like the dances in um, Showgirls. Okay. That whole section where yep. they're like on the stage. And the Showgirls ones are really entertaining. Yeah, because they're trashy. They're trashy and they're like, they're animals they're yeah. like going around. Where this is just like, this is really pretty to watch. Like I could just watch a YouTube clip if I really wanted yeah. to of just this. But I don't want to watch watch 40 minutes of it in the middle of a three-hour movie in which you're trying to tell me the ups and downs of somebody when this has nothing to do with their ups or their downs. You don't even tell me, like, how he got to produce these things. What kind of a producer was he? Like, how? what was his involvement with, like, creating this these moments? And so... How did he go up and down? Exactly. Because it's about his ups and downs, but to me, he really just is flatlining through life. Like, there's no ups or downs here. It's just, like, it's consistent, which is great. You've had a consistent life. Like, be happy about that. Like, you haven't really had your your sorrows and your your moments. But it's just just not a great movie. It really isn't. And so for that, I'm going to give it two stars. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair, Mita. That's fair. Are you going to go to yours? I am going to go to mine. Okay. I agree with, actually, much of what you said. Mm -hmm. I... I actually do understand the why it won Best Picture at the time. I think the production was pretty big and spectacular, and I can totally see being awed by it because it is 10 shows in one. And it is totally that, like, it is... I could see sitting down to watch this in nineteen in the 30s during the Depression and kind of just being t- swept away in it and swept away in the stage performances and the dances and the songs. And I could almost see myself being like, I'm not interested in a story here. I just want to see the musical numbers. I just want to see the performances. So I can I can understand why it did one, why it did win, sorry. Mm-hmm. But watching this in 2022, there's a reason we had never heard of this before. It just is, it's a pretty lackluster film to watch now. And I think, I think it should be remade because I think there is a really interesting story here and the right person will be able to blend that sense of glamour and that scale of production. I actually think someone from India should be involved in it to do it at that level because the 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 state the way they do it here, we're talking like Sanjali Labhansali, right? Uh, you're talking really like Bajira Mastani, you're talking Devdas, that's what you need someone to do, but to have those sequences help move your story along. So I also don't necessarily think this deserved Best Picture, but I do get why it won it at the time. That's my stance. Mm -hmm. Review-wise, it's a three-hour-long movie. I had a very busy week, and this was... I I, So just to give you perspective, it was my son's first birthday on Sunday. We're recording on Tuesday. 
we had we threw a picnic for about 60 people, came home, started this movie at 9 o'clock, fell asleep in the first 10 minutes just because I was so tired, woke up at 11.30, and I was just like, okay, I have to finish a certain percentage of this in order to finish it. So I had to stay up till 1 a.m. watching it. Yesterday on Monday, we had family over for dinner. They were here till midnight. And so I had to finish an hour of this film at midnight because the only way to get... Mita and I are actually going away for work tomorrow. The only way to get this recording in was to do it at this time. This was real homework. This was I had to really push through to watch this. And I really wish if, if we were picking our films, this would have been like, a, let's watch something we want to watch. Yeah. This was just, this was hard to get through. It was easy to watch, and during those musical numbers, I was absolutely on my phone because I did not, <laughs> I did not need to sit there. And eventually, I got the hang of it. I was just like, okay, we're not, we're not going to have a song here. There's no story. It's just a stage of women dancing. I may or not have fast forwarded like every ten seconds. Yeah, exactly. Just to see. Yeah, I'm. It's one of those films that I'm like, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. I have no, you know, I, I was, I didn't hate the experience, but it was, it was a lot of work to watch this. And I think I'm most disappointed with the fact that, like I've mentioned before, I really want to like these movies I've never heard of. I'm really hopeful that I'm going to sit down and watch something and be wowed by it. Never having heard of it, I really want to discover something. And so far, the movies I have liked are movies that I knew existed. You know, and so that's a little disappointing in this. I'm hoping that next week's movies may be different. But this one, it's going to be pretty forgettable. And it's also getting two stars from me. There you go. Yeah. Four stars for the Zegfield. For Zeke. Zeke. Whatever your name is. But yes, that was that was the great the great Zig Zegfield. And it wasn't that great. He wasn't that great. We'll retitle the episode The Not yeah. So Great Zegfield. <laughs> Again, if someone's listening to this, consider remaking this man's story because I would totally watch that in this modern yeah, day. Yeah, there's something a period piece there. about this. Yeah. It just it needs some work. Yeah. Before we get to our next week's movie, Mita, mm-hmm. what am I connecting? Okay. We're almost, so, da- we're almost getting to this we're part. Almost we're, we're almost there. We're almost at Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> Nadim, yes. last week you had me connect what something we- to Parasite. Was it the favorite? It was the favorite no. to Parasite. No, no, no. Because no? it was the favorite to Kuchkuchotahe. And then Kuchkuchotahe to... It was Kuchkuchotahe oh. to the favorite? It was the favorite to Parasite. Because I challenged you, Kuchkuchotahe, to the favorite. Then you challenged me, the favorite to Parasite. Either way, you're doing Parasite. Yeah, I'm doing yeah, Parasite. So, yeah. so <laughs> this week, Nadim, I yes. am challenging you to connect Parasite... To Martin Scorsese's Cape Fear. Martin Scorsese's Cape Fear. Yes. I wanted to make the distinguish. Yeah. All right. And so your timer starts uh, now. Okay. So Parasite is directed by Bong Joon-ho, who directed directed Okja. Okja. Mm -hmm. However you pronounce it. Yeah. How am I trying to get to Robert De Niro? I don't remember the... Oh, Juliette Lewis. And who is the wife and the husband? Am I allowed to answer? No, it's okay. okay. Uh, Juliet Lewis and Robert De Niro are enough for me. I might need 30 I'll, seconds. I know. I know. Mita. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Tilda Swinton is in Okja. Uh-huh. Tilda Swinton has been in a lot of things. 10 seconds left. Damn it. I'm not going to be able to do it. 
Give me, you're gonna have to give me like 30 extra seconds and I can do it. I've had a long week, Mita. I'll give you 10 extra seconds. Oh. Tilda you're Swinton. Now. Tilda Swinton was in, okay, Tilda Swinton was in Michael Clayton with our boy George. Yeah. And our boy George was in, our boy George must have been in something with Anne Hathaway. And I don't <laughs> know what it is. I can't, I don't know why I can't think of these things. I don't think that's her th- appearing. There's I'm sure they've seconds. done something. I'm what giving is you a minute that? 30. No, just tell me. Just the timer is ending now. Okay. okay. <laughs> I didn't go till this one did. So I'll tell you this. I had an original movie that I was yeah. going to link it to, but I thought it was too easy. But I don't know if you would have gotten it now. What was it? My original movie was going to be Ma. Oh, with uh, Octavia. Yeah. Are you able to make that connection? No, I probably could. Oh, Juliette Lewis is. So Juliette Lewis is your one too then because she's in that too. Mm-hmm. So what's the connection? Um, Boon Jong Ho directed Snowpiercer. Octavia Spencer is in Snowpiercer. Oh, I would not have done that. And then she's in Ma, Ma with Juliette yeah. Lewis who yeah. is in Cape Fear. Yeah. Um, the dad in Cape Fear is Nick Nolte and the mom is um, Jessica Lang. Jessica Lang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. A weird movie, guys. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is an uncomfortable film to watch. I, like, enjoyed it, but I also didn't at the same time. That sequence with Robert De Niro and Juliette Lewis at the Ooh. auditorium. Yeah. Oh, makes me real uncomfortable every time I watch it. Yep. But, Mita, what are we watching next week? Um, Next week, we are learning about the life of Emile Zola. I don't know him. Don't know him. I know him just as much as I know the great Ziegfeld. <laughs> Let's hope he's just as great. He is a full <laughs> hour shorter, though. Oh, thanks. So I already like him more. Yeah. He's the greatest movie of the year. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Uh, do you have any parting words for us? I do, Nadim. And also, these this parting word are my sentiments of the movie, which is okay. why I chose them. Yeah. I'm so disappointed in you. I could scream. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you have it. Which it's true. I really could have screamed by the end of this. Thanks so much for listening, (laughs) friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for The Life of Emile Zola. Woo! Have a great week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by No One. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number 2 Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon. <laughs>